Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Parish in Concord on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'm glad that you have chosen to join us for an hour of church together. I'm Reverend Howard Dana, and I want to welcome each and every one of you to this service. Our congregation just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more we do this. We know that there are many folks who have been longstanding members at First Parish or even newer members who are coming to church on Sunday. We also know that there are people joining us from all over the United States and in fact from other countries around the world. So we don't care where you're joining us from. We are just glad that you have taken this hour to feed your soul, to hear some music, uh, to think your thoughts, to pray your prayers and to be with us. I personally miss seeing you all on Sunday morning so very much. And I know that's the same for all of us. So this is a little slice of heaven for me each week to be able to be here and to lead church and to know that you all are participating there at home as well. Welcome on this Sunday morning to First Parish in Concord. As we always do, we're gonna look around the room and see who else is leading worship. So Sarah will put us on gallery view and I'll call on folks. Anderson Manuel is here, say hi to the folks, please. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to be here and so happy to be here with you. And Dawn Van Patten is here and she's chatting with you in the chat. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be with you. And the lady behind the scenes, Sarah Ritchie, is here doing tech. Thank you so much, Sarah, for keeping all of this running smoothly. Good morning. It's good to be here. Great. Welcome to church this morning. Now, our call to worship is from a former member of First Parish in Concord, uh, someone who certainly knew our church and who brought his family to our church and had a lot to say about religion. This is a call to worship from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Emerson says, a person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid out in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Let us worship together. I invite you to find a chalice or a candle. Anything will do really near you. It's good to have this all set up before church and to light it because we know that this flaming chalice is the central symbol of Unitarian Universalism. And so not only does it connect us one to another, but to all Unitarian Universalists throughout the world, and in fact, to all people of faith. Let us join in our unison chalice lighting words. O flame of our faith, open our hearts and fill our bodies and souls with persistent strength. Enliven our spirits and engage us deeply in this life of ours, this sacred essential moment now. And now Anderson Manuel is going to lead us in our opening song. Good morning, everyone. I hope that you are ready to sing. This morning, we are going to sing a song. It is called Woke Up This Morning. It is a freedom song made as a revamp of the old gospel song, I Woke Up This Morning With My Mind Stayed on Jesus in the 1960s. It is one of the many similar songs during the civil rights movement. The song was created by Reverend Robert Westby of Oral, Illinois in the Hines County Jail during the freedom rights. Raising their voices with freedom songs in the gospel cadence of the black church, Reverend Wesby and his fellow marchers could feel the songs change the atmosphere. The freedom songs built community, nurtured courage, and fostered hope. Is that realistic? Can we sing ourselves into a better world? Can we live out the stories of hope? I say yes. It is my faith that we can build a better world. I have hope for the future and trust that we can live in justice and harmony and peace. So let us rise together and sing with spirit and hope. I am going to sing the first part with you and then I will feed you the next line. 
Oh, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on freedom. Oh, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on freedom. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on freedom. Hallelujah. 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 I was walking and talking with my mind. I was walking and talking with my mind. Stayed on freedom. I was walking and talking with my mind. Stayed on freedom. I was walking and talking with my mind. Stayed on freedom. Hallelujah. 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 I was singing and praying with my mind. I was singing and praying with my mind. Stayed on freedom. I was singing and praying with my mind. Stayed on freedom. I was singing and praying with my mind. Stayed on freedom. Hallelujah. 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 I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on freedom. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on freedom. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on freedom. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. Thank you, Anderson. It's great to sing that together. And I love that there were hand gestures too, because we know that every Sunday there are children and youth with us as well. And that helps them connect to the song. And I wanna talk just a moment to all of those kids who have joined us. And we hope that more and more kids will join us each week because church is for you as well. I wanna tell you a funny story about me when I was in sixth grade. And if you listen carefully, you'll see how it connects to the rest of the story, because we're going to continue on with that story we started last week with the ancient Israelites in the wilderness where they were complaining because they were hangry. And we're going to go on and see what they do about that in a story called the golden calf. But this is a story about me when I was in sixth grade. So that's probably just a little bit older than you are, but you can imagine what it's like to be in sixth grade. So when I was in sixth grade, one of the things that we got to do in school was that we learned how to play chess. Now I was the oldest kid in my family, so I had never played chess before. My family wasn't a chess playing family. We were more Scrabble and Parcheesi, but chess was, this new thing, and I knew that people played it, I knew that it was kind of complicated, and that you had to have strategy to play it, and you had to practice, and those kinds of things. So I was really excited when in sixth grade, part of what we did in the public schools was we learned how to play chess. And so there was chess every day in school, which was great. I think we did a half an hour of it or so. And I got better and better. I got okay. I'm still not a great chess player. Um, anybody who's pretty good could probably beat me fairly quickly. Um, but it was still fun to play. Well, learning how to play chess made me want to have my own chess board. But for some reason, I didn't want just an ordinary chessboard, you know, the kind with the little plastic uh, figures, the little black ones and the white ones. No, somehow I got it into my mind that I had to have a very, very fancy, very expensive chessboard. 
I had seen probably in a magazine somewhere that there was this, this thing called the Franklin Mint. And it seemed very posh. It seemed very exciting that the Franklin Mint was putting out things, you know, Franklin Mint to a sixth grader. This sounds, you know, like a bank is putting it out or something like that. Well, they had a Civil War chess set that they were offering. And Sarah's just put it up, a picture of it. This is exactly what it looked like. So I don't know what possessed me. I wasn't really into the Civil War at all. Um, I wasn't into fancy things, but somehow I got it in my head that I had to have this Civil War chess set. And it's just like it looks on your screen right now. You've got the Union side in blue on one side of the chess set, and you've got the Confederacy on the other side in gray. Well, of course, they were all white people on this chessboard. We were not even thinking about that yet. Um, it was just weird enough that I was wanting this Civil War chess set. So I decided to buy it. And of course, as a sixth grader, I didn't really have any money at all. And this was expensive. So I think this chess set, which now you can buy on eBay for between three and $400, I checked this morning, I think it probably cost about that in 1980. It was probably between 300 and $400 in 1980. So that was a lot of money, especially for a sixth grader. So my parents agreed that we could uh, buy this chess set and the Franklin Mint was very cooperative. They would let you buy a piece a month. And so I had to come up with something like $50 every month to send to them. So I began cutting lawns, and I was babysitting and I did all kinds of other projects to raise this money. And it was hard. It was hard to come up with $50 every month. And then I would send it away to the Franklin Mint and they would send me this little box that had the next chess piece in it. Well, there's a lot of chess pieces on a chess board. And so this went on for a long time. But, and then partway through, I, I wanted to quit. I wanted to, I asked my parents, you know, do I need to finish this? And they said, yeah, I think you probably do need to finish this because what good is half a chess set? And it was only then that I realized that maybe this chess set was something, uh, was about something other than chess. Maybe it was about my desire for something fancy or my desire to have something that was nicer than everybody else, or my desire not really to play chess at all, but to keep something selfishly for myself. Because of course, when those expensive chess pieces came, I didn't let anybody play with them. I wouldn't even let my little brothers touch them. They could look at them, I'd hold them, and they could look at them, but they couldn't touch them. And the funny thing is, I did complete buying that chess set. I still have it. I cannot get rid of it because of what it means to me. But I have never once played chess with that chess set because it was about something else entirely. It wasn't about fun. It wasn't about the game. It wasn't about connecting with someone else. It was kind of a foolish thing to buy. Now, if you listen closely, as we go on with our service, you'll see why I told you about the story about this Civil War chess set. Thanks for joining us at church. Our reading this morning is another part of Exodus. This comes from the 32nd chapter it's a little bit on the long side, but it's an interesting story, so hang with it. These are the first through 14th verses. When the people realized that Moses was taking forever in coming down off of Mount Sinai, they rallied around his brother Aaron and said, do something, make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, that man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what has happened to him? So Aaron told them, take off the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. And they all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. 
he took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm, this is our God, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Aaron, taking in the situation, built an altar before the calf. Aaron then announced, tomorrow will be a feast day to your new God. Early the next morning, the people got up and offered offerings to the golden calf. The people sat down to eat and drink and then began to party, and it turned into a pretty wild party. God spoke to Moses, go, get down there. Your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have fallen to pieces. In no time at all, they've turned away from the way that I commanded them. They made a golden calf and worshiped it. God said to Moses, I look at these people and oh boy, what a stubborn, hard-headed people they are. Let me alone now, give my anger free reign to burst into flames and incinerate them but I'll make a great nation out of you, Moses. Moses tried to calm God down. He said, why God would you lose your temper with your people? Why you brought them out of Egypt in, in a tremendous demonstration of your power and strength? Why let the Egyptian, Egyptians say, God had it in for them. They brought them out so that they could kill them in the mountains, wipe them out, right off the face of the earth. Stop your anger. Think twice about bringing evil against your people. Think of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you gave your word, telling them, I will give you many children, as many as the stars in the sky, and I'll give you this land, and this land will be your children's forever. And God did think twice. They decided not to do the evil they had threatened against their people. This ends the reading. Do something. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, that man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what has happened to him? Want to catch you up a little bit with the Exodus story in case you missed church last week or it's not familiar to it. This is one of the oldest stories in the Bible. It's a story that talks about just how human humans have always been. We know that the ancient Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God decided to get them out of there. And so God brought these plagues that came down on Pharaoh and his household. And finally, Pharaoh gave up and the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Well, we learned last week that no more were they across the Red Sea and in the wilderness just a few days that they started complaining. They started complaining because they didn't have food to eat or water to drink. And they were worried that God had brought them out of luxury, out of the land of Egypt, where they, at least they had food and clothing to let them die in the wilderness. Well, Moses talks to God and God says, I'll take care of it, don't you worry. And so God got them food and drink. But they go on a while and then Moses decides he wants to have another chat with God. And so he goes up on Mount Sinai and he takes a long time. I mean, I think he was up there weeks, if you tell the truth. And so you can kind of sympathize a little bit with the people who get a little restless. Here's their main leader, and he's just gone up a mountain all by himself, and he doesn't appear to be coming down at all. So what do they do? They go to his brother, Aaron. They go to the other leader, and they say, do something. Just make this better. We're out here in the wilderness, and we're lost. We need something to follow. We are tired of this pandemic. We are tired of this social distancing. We are tired of not going to restaurants. We are tired of this. Just do something. And so Aaron, who I think capitulates pretty quickly, if you want to know the truth, says, okay, let's make an idol. And so he says, get me some gold. And they get him some gold and he makes this golden calf and then they start worshiping it. Well, as God does in the uh, Hebrew scriptures, 
God can tell what's going on down there. And he says to Moses, get down there. Your people have fallen apart. They can't even be faithful for a few weeks. And here they have gone off following some other idol, some other notion of what they need in their lives. And as we know, the reason these old, old stories have hung around for so long is that they are true. They tell us a lot about who we are. It's a lot less about God or theology and a lot more about how people act. Because we're in a golden calf moment right now in our country and in the world. And we Americans are not doing a very good job of waiting for Moses to come down from Mount Sinai. We have said to any Aaron who will listen to us, just do something, just fix it. Just let us get back to normal. And even the things that would really actually fix it, like using some more money for folks who have lost their jobs, by extending the laws that don't allow people to be evicted, to helping one another out, even those things we're kind of impatient with and tired with. And so we're looking around for our leaders to just do something. And like in the golden calf story, it's not going very well at all. But what happens in the story is that Moses does come down off of Mount Sinai. He comes down and he is mad. He's essentially convinced God not to do something to the people, but Moses is ready to put a stop to this. Moses is the kind of leader that you really want in a pandemic because he knows what's good for the people and he's not gonna just let them get away with stuff. So he comes down off the mountain and he says, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. We all know how to live. We know how to cooperate. We know how to take care of each other. We know how to look out for each other and this world. And we don't need a golden calf. So the story tells us, and this is pretty dramatic, that he took the golden calf and he ground it up. He ground it into a fine dust. And then he mixed that dust with water and he gave it to each and every person and made them drink it. That's pretty radical. He realized that it was only when each of them had internalized the solution would they be unified again. I think that we're in a place where Moses is still up on the mountain, hasn't come down yet, but we are all going to need to be unified when the leadership does change, when we get a direction that will be helpful to us. And we need to be able to recognize golden calves for what they are, because they are not the true way. They do not bring life. They do not bring happiness. They just distract us from the real things that we need to do. I wanna end this with a question. Let me get it here. So take a moment and write in the chat, what false idol have you been tempted to follow during these uncertain times? What false idol have you been tempted to follow during these uncertain times? And after a minute or two, I'll read some of your responses.
Okay, let's see what you've put in the chat here. All right, chopping the list is Facebook, righteous anger, temptation to give up and fall into a state of apathy, ignoring things to make them go away, eating too much food, screen time instead of people time, overconfidence, apathy, that travel is okay, the news, financial security, impatience for answers, the idea that in my comfortable surroundings, I'm immune to the effects of this national and global crisis, promises that couldn't be kept, the rage at the president and his followers, righteous anger, that sheer will can overcome grief, anger and frustration, new material things that won't change much, a focus on the flaws of our administration, false security and seeing decrease of COVID in Massachusetts, constant media news updates, too much isolation. Anderson is gonna sing a song now for us. Next song that we are going to sing together is a song written by Al Green, D. Hamilton, and Jay Ganey. And in your darkest hour, what is your source of hope? This song was written when our authors felt hopeless. I know that in my darkest hours, it has been the support of friends, the acceptance of a community, the love of parents and siblings, the substance of a spiritual path, and the remembering of my ability to change and to cope and to grow. It was the knowledge that I had the ability to do what I needed to do, to live through the dark hour, and to be there for the others who needed me as well. So let go and listen to this song, and hopefully this song will bring you hope. Though days be dark with storms, and burdens weigh my heart. The troubles wait at every turn. I know I can go on when sorrow heals my soul and burdens make me strong the troubles wait and I know I can go on my sister and my heart my brother and my son the troubles wait and every turn I know I can go on. And though this journey is long, remember the destination is near. The troubles wait at every turn. I know I can go on. So brothers, take my hand and sisters sing my song when hope awaits and 
I know we will go on. I feel like going on. I feel like going on. The trials may come at every turn. I feel like going on. You feel like going on. Don't be discouraged. Feel like going on. The trials may come at every turn though the noise of this world may come at every turn though depression that may come at every turn i know i can go Thank you, Anderson. Beautiful song, I Know We Can Go On. We come to a meditative, prayerful time in our service, a time in which we learn a little bit about members of our congregation, and then you are invited to speak the names of those who are on your heart, those who are experiencing a great joy or a deep sorrow. This morning, the pastoral list is quite heavy. Miley Houlihan's husband, Michael Couch, died on Thursday of Lewy body dementia. Miley's son, Alex, lives with her in Sudbury. Michael has two other sons and a daughter and grandchildren in New York. A Catholic mass will be said per Michael's wishes at Our Lady of Fatima. Pat Cummings died this week at Carlton Willard. Pat was a long-standing member of both First Parish in Concord and in Bedford. She was known for her musical abilities and provided music for many, many years to both congregations. She was well-loved at Carlton Willard and very much a part of that uh, cohort there. Pat will be very much missed. Betsy Wilson also died this week at Rivercrest at Newberry Court. Many of us will remember Betsy. She always sat in the same place near the front of the church each Sunday morning. She almost never missed a Sunday. Betsy told me that she had been coming to First Parish in Concord for over 50 years. It was one of her greatest joys to be a member of our congregation and we remember her fondly as we mourn her death. And lastly, Kay Harvey, long-standing member of the church, had a bad stroke this week. Her family is moving her to a nursing home in Maine. Cards can be sent to Kay at her daughter's address, and I will post that address in the chat. She would enjoy hearing from any of you. Now, if there's someone that you are thinking of, I invite you to speak their name aloud wherever you are, knowing that we all will hold them in our hearts. And now let us sing together, Spirit of Life.
Will you please join me in a spirit of meditation and prayer? Spirit of life, we are surrounded by golden calves. Everywhere we look, there are temptations, things our eyes convince our hearts they want. But we are deceived at every turn. Like those Israelites of old, we too are impatient, fickle, and complaining. Give us a new iPhone, we cry. Give us new clothes, a new car, new televisions, and new jewelry. Give us our restaurants back. Give us our gyms and clubs and theater. Give us back our church, we cry. Gimme, gimme, gimme. No wonder you have reason to be cross with us, spirit of life. No wonder you have reason to think we may never change. We are a stubborn, hard-headed people. We are prone to selfishness and greed. We are quick to anger and slow to understand. The United States is a reflection of all that wars within us. You remind us again and again that there is no way through but through. There is no way to combat the coronavirus but to combat it. There is no way to stay home but to stay home. There's no way to wear a mask but to wear a mask. There's no way to socially distance but socially distance. Some of our wicked leaders offer us one golden calf after another. Look here, they say. No, look here. It's easy, they say. You don't have to cooperate. You don't have to be patient. You don't have to comply. Just spend money, they plead. Everything will get back to normal soon, they promise. But we know differently. We know a better way. We are not distracted by the hype. We are not dissuaded from loving one another. You show us that in humbling ourselves, we can see a path through. You remind us that by being peacemakers, we will find peace within. You promise us that if we care for others, we will be cared for. You pronounce love as the very best cure. A wise man said, a person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid out in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Let us hold a time of silence together. Amen.
Now, lest I think that I am completely against money, I am not against money. In fact, I am for money, especially when we share it with one another, that we can bring a bit of what we have been given and place it at the altar of humanity is a marvelous thing. An offering for the good work and witness of the church will soon be taken, and I invite you to be generous. You can simply text the number that will appear on your screen, or you can send in your pledge check to the church office. You're also able to donate on our website. Think about what this church means to you and how about how you might like to share your wealth with it. The morning offering will be gratefully received. Let us enjoy another piece of music by Jeff Pierce. As we begin to close our service, I would like to invite any of you who would like to just stay on here and chat a little bit if you'd like. There also will be the worship sharing circle and Don has already pasted that uh, link into the chat. Just go ahead and follow that. That's a nice chance to talk with some folks uh, about the themes of this morning's service. It's a, um, there's folks there to, to lead you through that conversation and they will finish by 1130 um, at the latest. So just either go to that link and if it's working, it'll let you just jump there. If, if the link is not working, just copy it and then paste it into your browser and you can go to the worship sharing circle. Next week, uh, we have the wonderful pleasure of having Matt Meyer lead us in worship. I will be there as well, but uh, those of us who know how much fun it is to be at a summer service that Matt Meyer uh, leads will definitely wanna be here at this. This is a chance for us to sing and to enjoy uh, Matt's particular way of leading us in worship. So don't miss that. And then the following week, uh, I'll be back and we'll finish up with the third part of the Exodus story. There's uh, the best way to keep in touch with us is to make sure that you're following us on the website or getting FP Weekly. It's very easy to uh, sign up for FP Weekly if you haven't done that yet just email Sarah Burns. Her email address is sburns at firstparish.org and she can make sure that you're getting FP Weekly. 
um, be sure and check your spam filter occasionally because sometimes it goes in there. You can also like us on Facebook and um, get information that way. And we also have a wonderful YouTube channel where we're posting segments of the services and we're moving toward uh, broadcasting there. So be patient with us, that's coming. Glad you were here in church this morning. Let us now join with Anderson in our closing song. The last song that we are going to sing together is, uh, is an African-American song. It is a song of pleading and lament and a call for God's guidance. It talks about hardship in the face of racism and the prayer that is, guide my feet is directly connected to the work different groups of people have to do. People of color, to be sustained and keep resisting. Our white brothers and sisters, to do the hard work of dismantling white supremacy from within. My favorite part of this song is hold my hand while I run this race for I don't want to run this race in vain. Holding hands creates a bond and signifies unity. Remember to continue to go out there and help create bonds of love and understanding that will withstand the attacks of hatred and distrust. So this morning, as you sing this song with me, reach your hand out in this virtual world and pretend that we are there with you. Let us sing together. Guide my feet while I run this race. 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 For I don't want to run this race in vain. Hold my hands. Hold my hand while I run this race. Hold my hand while I run this race. Hold my hand while I run this race, for I don't want to run this race in vain. Stand by me. Stand by me while I run this race. Stand by me while I run this race. Stand by me while I run this race, for I don't want to run this race in vain. I'm your child. I'm your child while I run this race. I'm your child while I run this race. I'm your child while I run this race, for I don't want to run this race in vain. Search my heart. Search my heart while I run this race. Search my heart while I run this race. Oh, search my heart while I run this race. For I don't want to run this race in vain. Guide my feet. Please guide my feet while I run this race. Guide my feet while I run this race. Oh Lord, guide my feet while I run this race. For I don't want to run this race in vain, race in vain. Thank you, Anderson. 
It is such a joy to sing with you. You bring us such joy. Wonderful to lead worship with you this morning. Let me remind all of us that we are in fact in this together. And we're not in this together just with the people around us, the people in our homes or in our neighborhoods, even in our region or our state or our country. We are in fact in this together with every person on this planet. Let that knowledge keep us humble and keep us helpful. Let us think less about ourselves and more about others. And let us know that we must stick together through this. Because like the ancient Israelites wandering in the wilderness, none of us are home until all of us our home. Please join in the first parish benediction, saying, go out into the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return to no person evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all beings. Oh,